0: It made me realize that while if you go to LinkedIn, you think like everybody's tracking metrics and everybody's doing attributions and all that other stuff. The reality is that most people are so overwhelmed with the pace of change that we see that no one ever gets around to doing the fundamentals. And if you did the fundamentals, you'd very quickly realize that there's a whole lot of stuff in your business you can just call right away and bring the cash flow back in. So yeah, in a roundabout, long-winded answer, there's very little discipline in business that should be there.
1: Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of More Clients Less Effort. I am joined by an incredibly special guest today, Nick Sacarel. Nick, thanks for joining me. No
0: worries.
1: Thank you so much. Happy to. We're going to get into your impressive book collection shortly, but to introduce okay. you, Nick is the founder of LeadHook, a tool that we use here at Winmore Clients as well, but it's an incredible mass marketing personalization software. Nick helps develop technologies to automate persuasion and digital marketing campaigns. And we're going to drill into that more and more detail as well. Nick ended up with a business where lead generation sales were inconsistent, and this resulted in LeadSook as an internal tool for his own thing, which eventually, by happenstance, happened to overtake the actual product itself. Um, And LeadSook allows users to learn about your markets in real time and prevent the most appropriate message or offer for them to take the next step. Amazing, amazing tool. And having done lots of... Quiz funnels in my time as well, Nick. And to finally stumble across you and Leedshook was a bit of a revelation for me.
0: It's the underground software. <laughs> it's the underground <laughs> software. You know what? It's it, it's a software that doesn't get testimonials.
1: <clears throat> we'll get into that. No one wants to share it. <laughs> but Mike, you've got a you've done this by accident, right? I, I want to do that, right? right. Because yeah. I, I know one of the things you talk about persuasion as a sort of. Trading system that produces winners, but your background's actually in mathematical finance and investment management, right? Probably Correct. like me, very much inspired in the eighties by Bud Fox and Gordon Gecko.
0: Yeah. I finished uni during a recession. And so I was like, can someone just please give me a job? <laughs> so, so it, just so it just so happened that, uh, <laughs> so it was another accident actually. <laughs>
1: So, okay, well, how do we get, how do we get, we're well, in uni, we're doing mathematical finance, we're doing investment management. Okay. This is a kind of interest for you. And yep. you've got a career incredibly mapped out for you. This is the vision in a big bank.
0: I did accounting and marketing. And then when I finished uni, there were no jobs. And I sent out about 3,000 letters. This is, uh, you know, cold prospecting 101 or back in the day when you had to mail things. Ask enough people. And, and, some some guy, and some guy read that I was from Fiji and he grew up in Fiji, but he was an Aussie yeah. guy. And so he called to me, he goes, hey, I hear you from Fiji, why don't you come in for a chat? And so the only reason why he invited me for a chat was because I was from Fiji. So we had a chat and he said, listen, you know what, I'll see if I can help you. So I was very good at spreadsheets. So I could write, you know, VBA macros and all kinds of stuff. So there was a job that came up at Coca-Cola, right in Circular Key here in Sydney. And so he said, listen, it's a three-day thing, you want to do it. I said, yeah, I'll take anything, man. So I went there. And then they said, oh, he's really good at Excel. So then I went to Thomas Cook back then. And so I started moving a bit all these finance companies. And by the end of six months, I had like like the who's who on my resume. Granted, it was, uh, you know, three days here and two weeks there and five weeks there and all that sort of stuff. But it was enough to get a foothold in actually an investment bank that said, okay, fine. He, he's got a wide array of experience. And then yeah. it's inside the bank that I wanted to get that I then did a full-time degree and full-time work. That's when I did maths and finance while working full-time.
1: Yeah. I so, find it interesting, like, I, you know, I think once upon a time, the idea of seeing someone split between jobs a thousand, you know, every three days or every three months or something, you'd probably would have said, you know, they're not very employable. Yeah, Certainly my father would have said that. Absolutely my great-grandfather would have said that as well. You know, it would have been definitely take them out of, you know, the sort of employment pool because why would you only better a job for three months or three days, right? right. You know, people had jobs for life, at, you know, back in the day. Yeah. But now it doesn't seem to be so much of an issue that someone sort of jumped between jobs, you know, for short periods of time.
0: does Yeah, it? yeah, no. So, so, in my case, I guess it was contractual. So, let's they did hire me only for three days. So, it'd be different. I think if I was leaving full time employment every three days, <laughs> then I'd definitely be unemployable. So, so uh, and <laughs> what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Well, thankfully, the recruiter would obviously talk you up, right? I mean, that was his job to sell you. And so I rarely ever had any resistance. Uh, in fact, tell you the truth, I've actually never been through a job interview. I had who's who on my resume. And obviously, this guy would not have recommended me unless uh, the, the previous, uh, you know, three, four day job or whatever, the, the, the short term roles that I was having was actually generating value. So yeah. I actually ended up in the, in the, in the guys at the bank said, well, fine, can you just go do this? And that's literally how it started. So I've actually never had a job interview per se. What was the consistent problem that
1: you kept seeing with these organizations? You know, you're being brought in to do, you know, these macros and and fair enough, you know, people sort of, you know, use maybe 1% or 2% of Excel's
0: real capability. You know, what's what's the consistent problem that keeps coming up? The, the issue always is always was that they're always working on some new project to transform some area. And well, there was never, it was just a lot of activity. And even, even now, like, uh, you know, I've, I've got mates of mine in corporate, um, who contact me while we're doing this initiative and that initiative. It's just initiative after initiative after initiative. And most of the time is just chewing up resources with no real outcome. I'll just tell you a funny story. There's an ASX company that reached out to me. They said, Hey, Nick, can you come and help us with our marketing? So I said, oh, cool. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, it was a CEO. So I, I went to the city and I thought it was a meeting with him. And, and little did I know I, they had a boardroom with about 40 people sitting in it. I'm like, what the hell? Well, maybe I'm in the wrong room or something. He goes, oh, that's my marketing team. And I was like, okay. So we went around the room and I said, okay, so who here comes up with the actual, the offer and the, and the messaging and all that stuff? Like who, who made this shitty brochure basically? And no one put up their hand. So then I said, what do you guys actually do then? And literally the entire 40 p- team was largely, and not everybody, but most of them were literally just doing RFPs with different outside service providers. So different agencies, you know, one agency to do AdWords, and then after 12 months, they do another RFP and then, you know, they'd get, uh, you know, and so there was a lot of uh, whining and dining and, and a lot of cheering up of resources. And uh, it may be, so he said, can you help? I said, I don't think I can, because unfortunately... What you need to do is you need to get a CMO that really is who's built on customer acquisition. Yep. While the person that they, they had hired was, you know, really, yeah, I mean, they have this nice title, but couldn't tell you a bad headline from a good headline. Like the fundamentals were missing. And I said, unless mm-hmm. you're willing to kind of get rid of him and hire from someone like uh, from a direct response style training background, It'll be hard for me to me to help you guys. So it really never went anywhere. I was kind of honest with the guy. I said, hey, listen, you know what? I don't think this is a good fit. I can't really serve you well because I'd rattle the cage too much. You know, I'd, I'd piss a lot of people off because they'd be like, well, you know, like, like, what do you do here? A 40-man team and the copywriter was not even one of them. The copywriter sits in the content generation team or some outsourced service provider. And yeah, so essentially what I found was there's a lot of outsourcing of internal strategy to external service providers, which I, I think is quite dangerous and yeah. quite kind of productive. Is that just exist in the sort of corporate enterprise space, or do you
1: see that? No, sort of- I think it, I think it exists
0: in in, like in a small the- business as well. I think you mentioned you just taken on a client in the insurance space and or personal injury or whatever it is, and even there a strategy was largely largely given to the agency, and they did nothing after fifteen grand, not even one single lead. Right, so the issue is that i don't think in companies internally have metrics enough to keep someone honest externally at at first i thought so i would do consulting work and i would not find any metrics anywhere i mean apart from the ga dashboard which is practically useless i'm talking about you know, return on investor capital, all that sort of stuff. Like your, your financial metrics of the business. So I did a course called Finance SOS and about, I don't know, 30, 40 people joined. And not a single person there was doing it. And I was like, okay, so it made me realize that while if you go to LinkedIn, you think like everybody's tracking metrics and everybody's doing attributions and all that other stuff. The reality is that most people are so overwhelmed with the pace of change that we see that never, no one ever gets around to doing the fundamentals. And if you did the fundamentals, you'd very quickly realize that there's a whole lot of stuff in your business you can just call right away and bring the cash flow back in. So yeah, in a roundabout, long-winded answer, there's very little discipline in business that should be there.
1: It's interesting to say that I recorded a podcast earlier this week, actually, we were talking about the difference between growth and scale, right? And what is missing in companies that grow compared to what are the things that sort of missing? in the companies that scale, right? I'll throw this question to you as well, because I think it's an interesting one, but growth is just sort of getting bigger. It's not necessarily getting more efficient, which is what something that scale does. And companies that scale and increase their efficiency over time as they become bigger, which is are all largely data-driven, aren't they? Correct. Absolutely. That client yeah. that I've just taken on that you mentioned, their previous agency, it literally runs stuff for 12 months. And- the client still does not know why their marketing campaign worked or didn't work, still does know why right. they had no release no so, so, so,
0: in the So my question is just as a discussion point here, why did it take the client 12 months to realise nothing's happening here? What, what, what happened in the one-week mark, the, the, the one-month mark, the, the first quarter, the second quarter, right? I mean, you would have thought that you were spending that kind of money Let's say you're building a house and you're spending money. You, you want to see, you know, something getting built. So that's what I'm talking about is that, that lack of discipline, because if they had metrics in place and like, oh, well, hang on a second, you guys have billed us, you know, 10 grand for the work you've done. You've spent, you know, 20 grand in ads or whatever. All right. What's actually happened here? Let's jump on a call. Show me how much traffic that drove. You know, where are you tracking all this? How many leads there are? Why are there any leads there? Like you keep your service provider honest and it's kind of you know almost like unbelievable it's, it's to to see that it took 12 months for someone to realize that they've blown a bunch of cash and nothing came in return yeah Well, it is and you know the
1: promises and placating statements that say yeah but all it is you know what it
0: is about this, this it's, stuff about happens it's about to come yeah. this, this about stuff happens every this stuff happens everywhere you're or, to or to. they tell them some bullshit about you know it's <laughs> <lottery>. it's, brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's branding it's <laughs> branding branding's like
1: a slush fund you know <laughs> yeah But I think it is, you know, that old adage about what gets measured gets managed. And it is, you know, more so now than any time in history of business. You know, we've got the ability to measure the effectiveness of a campaign and even – Offline campaigns, you know, obviously digital campaigns are very easy to measure, but even offline campaigns, easy, yeah. we can sort of, we can start to get yeah, direct no. tracking.
0: I was in consumer goods before. We would run TV ads, radio ads, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And while in the online world, you can see like, oh, i spent a dollar today and I can, you know, what I got to sale. the, 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 your time scale is daily or weekly. If you're doing online ads, such as a TV ad, your, your time scale ends up being like, you know, a couple of quarters. So you'll be like, okay, well, we have an ad campaign that's run from Jan, Feb, March. Well, by April, we should see an uptick in something. So while the, the uptick is not quite directly attributable like the online marketers enjoy, nevertheless, you can see that there was an impact or not. So, yeah, I mean, just to kind of like I, I don't want to, want to bash branding because, you know, I come from that branding background as well. But the point is, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's branding or not, it needs to reflect in some metric somewhere so it maybe it's a visit to your website maybe it's a, you know more social posting about you and that could be you know people having a more con- uh, you know a lot more conversations around you maybe people making shareable videos on tiktok whatever it be there's some measurable outcome that pops in and while it may not be quite as direct as what we have with facebook ads where you know i can see my click coming through with the click id and i can track that directly all the way to the sale it's not quite as 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 one to one but nevertheless you can see some impact somewhere. It's well, the right lack right. of measurement of that is the great sort of crime here, if you want to call it that. Yeah. The bombshell there is
1: obviously that if you're going to do a marketing campaign or in any business initiative really is knowing what is the metric? What is the needle we're trying to move by doing this? And how can we tell whether we're either on track yeah. or getting there? And, and I think I, mean, I came out of a project management background a little bit like you in that, you know, you have acceptable parameters of variation before yeah. you say, know we're going to stop, right? We think, yeah. and, and like anything, right? Marketing is a great experiment in many ways. We think yeah. something is going to work and we make educated guesses based on comparative experience. But at a certain point we need to say we're going to continue this, you know, or we're getting close to the point where we stop doing this because
0: it's outside of acceptable variance. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Like are you moving a couple of standard deviations away from trend line? That's it. That's what you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever so- the trend line is. But it's you're absolutely right. You know, if it's if we're measuring brand, how do we measure
1: the brand? Okay, maybe we mention we look for positive social media mentions. You know, by other people. Correct.
0: Yeah, that's something.
1: Going to be an influential in brand. You might do it with Yeah, customers. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's
0: not a black hole. How do you feel about <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, but I think any any initiative has to be looking at what is the acceptable result from this. And, you know, at what point do we say, no, we're going to draw the line in the sand and not do it? And what point are we going to double down on it as well? Because ultimately, we're still coming back to how can I attract, convert and keep clients? for their maximum value.
0: Yeah, no, I just, so I'll show you an example, right? So I hired an SEO manager about 18 months ago now. And when he came to me and I said to him, I said, I said, listen, we're going after words like lead generation, which are hyper-competitive. I don't see any traction for 12 months. I said, I'm aware of that. And I said, your job is to keep the cadence going so that we are doing what we're supposed to do on our side. Whether Google rewards us or not, that's largely up to Google. And as long as we're doing what we can on our end, there'll be some traction at some point. But I said, I'm not going to hold you to it whether you got me ranked on page one or not. I said, it's a hyper-competitive space, and that should not be what your metric is. I'm going to measure you on how many articles get put out there and essentially the actions and activities that show whether we can move the needle. That's it. And around about the nine-month mark is when we started seeing traction. Right. But I gave him the runway and didn't hold him responsible if the campaign didn't work or not. That was my problem, not his problem. And he said, you know what? For the first time, I'm working with someone who really is not holding me responsible for their, I said, yeah. I said, because if it was a paid ads campaign, I said, I would hold you responsible. But I said, SEO, this big G. They're the ones who will reward us in due course if mm-hmm. our content is good enough. And I said, for every guru that's out there, I heard another guru say the exact opposite thing about SEO. So it's a bit of a black box. I said to him, because the black box and I'm assuming we go to Google, they might even tell you like even we even don't know how the whole damn AI thing works. <laughs> We've left it to deep mind. It does what it does, right? And so, so I don't think there's any, any human out there who really knows what's actually going on, except these sort of activities seem to get these types of results. So I said to him, I said, okay, well, if they're the results we're after, then I need you to see these kind of activities. Now uh, we can debate on whether activity A is better than activity B. I don't really care about that. Just make sure there's some activity going on, and that's it. You're not doing any Correct. marketing. activity. Everything else stops. It's the oxygen.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah. say, you know, and you know, obviously, big mistake to cut back on your marketing and advertising if it if it does. Just on that, Nick, it did make me think of the people out there. who go, referrals suck, right? You know, referrals are unpredictable. Blah 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 blah. And what we know for most marketing agencies, particularly, and I suspect, professional services in general, right? Referrals account for about 80% of people's business, right? Well, let leads uh, to uh, referrals. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just like laughs> referrals suck and go, what do you sell? What <laughs> <laughs> sell advertising? It's 100% of my business.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look,
1: like, I know you've got a product. You sh- and You showed me this product before. How do you go from, yep. you know, contracting, doing, you know, really point solution spreadsheet implementations as a sort of gun for hire you fuck it i'm going to create my own product yeah okay so
0: so at some point i ended up with a full time job i was in investment management i went i worked in new york as well then i left i joined a family type of a business they do consumer products Pharmaceuticals, a whole bunch of stuff. So I went from finance. I ended up in Fiji. It's a distribution business where the, where one branch was in Fiji. We're based in Australia. This Papua New Guinea selling to about 15, 20 different countries. So when I landed, I said, all right, I want to have a look at the balance sheet and PNL. I got the last 10 years of data. I put it onto a spreadsheet and I started doing some analysis to see what the return on investment capital was and all the, essentially all the financial metrics. And I said, oh, mm. this is pretty crap. And I said, but the problem is we don't really know why we're not making money. Like we know. We're not making much because I can see my profit and you know, divided by the capital in the business. I can see that the ROI is very low, but I don't quite understand which part between the X million in sales to the low profit number. What's chewing up most of our capital along the way on the cost side as well as on the investment side? Like, why do we have you know X million dollars in stock? Do we really need X million dollars in stock? Because I said, well, who, where where is our bulk of our supplies? And I like, go, oh, they're in Australia. I'm like, okay, well, h- how often do we get? ships from Australia. They're like a weekly. I'm like, okay, well, then why do we have 25 months of stock for something that's a week away? Right. I mean, there they may be a good reason for it, but like, what is it? Right. So then I essentially, I went from department to department, department, essentially documenting everything. And I realized like they had no systems and processes. It was just an uncontrolled mess. So I said, all right, before we can get control, I said, we need data and analytics. So we invested about a million dollars in technology to get on top of all this stuff. We brought everybody onto the same platform and now you can start seeing the data. As soon as we started seeing data, we realized we had, you know, about, I believe it was about 50 or 60% of more inventory than we actually needed. So we had a, uh, essentially a fire sale to get rid of all of that and turn it into cash to start increasing the return on invested capital. So that's kind of like where the finance meets marketing comes into it. And then after a while, it's like, okay, well, let's go launch some brands and stuff. So, Thankfully, there was a guy here there who'd, who'd come in with uh, lots of consumer branding experience, and we launched almost 30 different consumer brands during my time there, which is about seven years or so. And I got to really learn how to like write TV ads, how to formulate products, talk to manufacturers, and got the view of everything from ideation all the way to a successful launch, and along the way, you know, a fair share of our own mistakes. Including, so I wrote TV ads, radio ads, billboards, uh, cinema advertising, like all that offline stuff. This is pre-Google. And so that's kind of like where I got my sort of sense of, you know, building products and brands and stuff. So I left there and essentially I bought this product out. So I was like, oh, I'll I'll do some e-com because I've got consumer branding experience. I don't have online experience. But on the side in the evenings, I was doing CPA offers, basically. I was uh, doing affiliate marketing on the side. And not not as a way to really make money or a side hustle, but more just how does this new medium work? Correct. Exactly. It was just to learn. So I would just pick all kinds of offers. There was zip offers. There was sweepstakes. There was all kinds of stuff. And so I was just uh, mucking around with uh, different the CJ.com. There was, you know, like all sorts of all the different affiliate networks back then. And really trying to grasp like, you know, how, and, and I could see that it was just offline, but... At rocket speed, essentially. Like, you know, yep. so you, like like in the offline world, you launch a campaign in January, you, you find out in March or April or May whether they bombed or not. Here, you can find out tomorrow morning whether they bombed or not. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. To me, as someone coming from finance, it was an extremely efficient way to allocate capital. That's what I saw online marketing as. It wasn't, it wasn't so much customer acquisition all this sort of stuff. I said, wow, this is a, a fast, superior engine. For capital allocation. And so that's how I saw it, right? It's essentially like a trading system. And so then I, I bought this out. I said, okay, well, I know enough about Google Ads and Facebook and all the other stuff. Let me start launching it. And because it's a product that works with all kinds of so when I did the research on this with all the ingredients and stuff, I realized whether you have curly hair or straight hair, or all that sort of stuff, you would actually uh, you know, this product applies to you. But how do you run an ad that applies to everybody? So that's when I realized I said, you know, how happy is your hair was my campaign. And it was like a my first quiz. And you would say, you know, what's your natural hair type and do you have these problems and do you have, you know. So there was like, describe your natural hair type, so curly and straight and wavy and all that stuff. And the next question was, you know, what, what do you currently struggle with? What, what sort of issues do you have? So like, you no know, split ends and all that sort of stuff. And then what would you like it to be? So we're picking the problems, we're picking the desired outcome that you're looking for. And I said, and basically the next page was just a take, picking up all the answers they gave you and just kind of like doing like a, almost like a mail merge in real time. Just slotting in the answers back into a sales page saying, you know, yeah. brand new product, you know, works for people with split ends, blah, 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 who are looking for A, B, C, D. Just doing that, <laughs> <laughs> sales, sales sales took off. But the problem was that every time you want to make a change, you got to go back to developers and all that sort of stuff. And I said, ah, oh, this really probably should be a tool of some sort. And that literally resulted in the idea of Leeds Hook being born. And it was made as an internal tool. My idea at the time was I'm just gonna go buy up all these broke e-com companies and just shove them through Lee scale it up and sell it. That was the original concept. And then uh, someone invited me to some mastermind. I went there, I, I kind of showed like an early alpha version of what it was. And about you know, 20, 30 people lined up saying, Oh, how do we sign up to this thing? And I was like, I didn't quite realize there was a market for software here. I did not knew nothing about software, I didn't run a, a SaaS or anything. So I quickly included to buy it. My got the whole development team there. And we mapped it out in one weekend. And I said to them, "I said, well, firstly, do you guys want to do this? I said, I'm not going to do it if you guys aren't interested." And they're like, "We got no idea how to do assessed product." And I said, "Well, that makes two of us." But until <laughs> until three weeks ago, <laughs> until until three weeks ago, we, we didn't even know how to do, how to do quizzes. So uh, yeah, let's go. You know, let's let's dive in. And so then they started making a kind of like a assessed version of what we had originally developed. And it just so happened that I, I built an alpha version, and the great uh, Dave Jennings contacts me and he said, hey, Michael Gerber just called me from the e His next book launch, he wants me to do his book launch for him. He goes, can you do something with, with Leeds Hook? And I said, done. I said, do I do it for free? I said, I don't know. I said, it's a campaign by bomb. I thought, Provide, provided you don't get pissed off at me if something goes wrong, I'm in. He said, right, done. I was looking for kind of subjects, uh, different types of people to apply the product with to see how far we can stretch the product. And so that resulted in us doing a campaign where you would answer a bunch of questions and it would tell you what's your entrepreneur personality or something of that sort. It was like a, like a radar diagram. And that worked really well. People started sharing it and all sorts of stuff on social media. I mean, largely because I think it was a Gerber brand behind it. it had it had a lot to do with that. Uh, but regardless, yeah. it worked. He was pretty happy. You know, Dave orchestrated a overnight bestseller and yada, yada, yada. Gerber was happy. And now the traffic for that was done by the great Mike Rhodes. So Gerber invites us to San Diego. We get this little nice house on the beach and all this sort of stuff. And Dave Jennings, Mike and I, we hang out with Troy Dean was there for a day or two. And we got to kind of know each other. So sort like, of, hey, here's what you're doing. And he was a big traffic guy. And then when he came to Australia, he was coaching some people on how to do, you know, online uh, Google ads. So he introduced me to someone. And he said, hey, yes, he said, you know, it's uh, Dan Wardrobe. He's uh, he, he introduced me to him. He was looking to sort of, you know, build quiz funnels. And I said, listen, I'll build it for free. I said, I can't charge you anyway because I haven't got the billing system set up, but you can use it for <laughs> free as long as <laughs> that's how essentially, so my early days was I need to find anyone who wants to do marketing with quiz funnels or anything, we call them decision trees because you can go in different directions. Yeah. And I was so thankful that I had built it using e-com. We were doing it for lead, classic lead gen, like your solar, that kind of environment. We had a couple of people do it, using it in the info space. So my first five or 10 customers, or users, I should say, because they weren't even customers because there was nothing to charge them with, the billing system wasn't done, was to do all that. And so I would actually jump on Skype calls back then and help them construct these campaigns. So yeah, so I'm quite thankful for over time that the network or the people that I met along the way were kind enough to sort of, you know, throw my hat in the ring, so to speak, for me. And I just made sure that I did the right thing by them, that if they proposed me as a solution, that I kind of did my level best to deliver the outcomes that these guys were looking for at, term, at no cost, actually. Yeah, Look, it is, it always is, right? So much of business opportunity comes down
1: to who other people who you can meet who can open doors for you. Not necessarily right. clients, right? But don't look at every opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and say, absolutely.
0: It's
1: like, I can this sell just- this to you, right? And I'll find a way to take your money. Find a way, yeah. firstly, find a way to be useful to them. And then, yeah. you know, if you do a good job, you get to open the doors, and I think it's a good lesson to any young people listening to this podcast as well, something I'm trying to teach my son. It's like, don't necessarily go at someone and say, hey, you need to pay me for me to show up, because they'll look yeah. at it and going, what are your skills? And he's gone, I'm 17 years old. I don't have any. Right? Go in and say, hey, how can I help you? Right? Yeah. What can I give first? Yeah. And then opportunity comes off the back of that. And I really love that story, Nick. What sets Leeds Hook apart
0: from, say, other quiz software? What's so unique about how yeah, you do right. it? Okay, so what's really different is that first it's designed by marketers and it's been designed ground up from all the feedback that we receive from the thousands of users now. And I still do all the onboarding calls. The onboarding calls are 100% done by me. And so I've got a good thing on the pulse, so to speak, of what the market is looking for, what kind of problems people are trying to solve. And those things go back immediately into product development. So I have a, I have a direct line with uh, my head dev. Uh, there's no nobody else that jumps on these calls. I still do those because I enjoy them. I enjoy you know meeting the people and seeing what challenges they're facing in their businesses. And so what's really unique is that we've been able to add features that take you to the last mile. So while you can get a WordPress plugin to build you a quiz, it can't do a real-time API call to bring back data from a Google Sheet or your CRM. It can't do mathematical calculations on the fly to do something else. You can't dynamically change, you know, it can't make graphs and charts. Things that you need to do in real time as someone is giving you answers that educates you that, oh, hang on a second, this guy is my, I mean, something is even as simple as go to the end and have a, a logic conditional node that basically says, well, the, the way that this, this person has answered, he's not really my customer. So why don't I just redirect him to an affiliate offer? And you can do that automatically inside the same funnel. So essentially the ability to build this massive maps of behavior and of seeing based on the answers where this person should go, and you can actually customize multiple pathways through the same quiz, which is quite unique in that, I mean, you, you can kind of do it in other platforms, but it, 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 they don't visually represent it. As a result, you know, you start pulling your hair out. You have to write if-then statements. We can do it visually. The other thing is that because of the kind of volume that moves through lead and we cater to those guys who for whom paid speed is like really matters, we've optimized for paid speeds and we've optimized for those sort of things that are normally an afterthought. So if you're someone who's just starting the market you never realize page speed is that important but when you're spending a million dollars a day or you know a couple of million a month it matters because Google will give you like a like a 20 to 30% discount just for having better page speed and it's mm. not that they're giving you a discount it's you have a better page experience therefore your quality yeah. score is higher Google wants you to use yeah. Google more <laughs> Yeah yeah exactly yeah so first and foremost so, Right now, now if you're spending a mil and you're getting a twenty percent discount, that's a serious coin. That's half a Ferrari or so whatever, you know? And you compound it over twelve months. Yeah. So normally when I'm doing a sales conversation, they say, how much do you spend? I said, Well, how would you like another ten Ferraris this year? And they're like, oh, and so (laughs) so, so that sounds nice. So immediately it it translates dollars into, into something quite concrete. That essentially is the sort of sweet spot where we're at. While most platforms don't go the last mile in the conversion, for example, you know, we've even got like stuff like if you want to sprinkle glitter on the page. So let's say you answer a couple of questions. And you say, oh, congratulations. And it kind of, kind of sprinkles all this glitter on the page. And so mm-hmm. a little bit of fun thrown in there, a little bit of dopamine hit for, for making the right decision, all that sort of stuff. You have a turn into a bit of a celebration because, yeah. you know, lead gen can be boring and there are markets where they... So all those sort of personalization stuff, you can even have a separate... So this is the, for anybody out there. If you are asking for email and phone number in the same form, just split those two up and you'll get an extra 30% more leads just by doing that. So what happens is you put your name in, first name, last name, email, and you send it to your CRM, and then you ask for the phone number and you send it to the CRM. There's gonna be a whole bunch of people who get their email, but not their phone number. Now, if you have your email and phone number in your on the same form, they'll give you, you'll get neither, right? So my okay. form didn't work. Well, now what you can do is then now you can email those people essentially and saying, hey, listen, you know, hey, I'm Tim. I'm just down the road from you. Good Aussie bloke. This is not some Nigerian scam or whatever. You know, click here to give me a phone number and let's chat. Just doing something as simple as that gets a whole bunch of people who didn't want to give you the phone number up front, will gladly like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, because you've used those two, three, four, five, whatever emails to build a bit of a rapport, a bit of a relationship, a bit of trust, and that gets you that outcome. So I guess in summary, that's yeah. sort of like a number of different things. It's not that we do one thing really different. We do a whole lot of little things that, when combined, gives you that edge.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I really like about it is that kind of you can almost model the conversation as if you were there, right? I'm going to ask you a question right. and you're going to respond. And based on your response, I'm going to take that information, insert it into my next question, which may be one of five different things,
0: right? right.
1: And I may need yeah. to actually circle back to that question again, right? And yeah. lead talk is something that allows me to do that. Right? So in terms of capability, you should absolutely be commended that it's, you know, an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool, you know, available for business to use. And quiz funnels, in general, if you haven't looked at quiz funnels in general, it's probably something that could be really powerful for your business at a whole bunch of different places, not just in terms of lead generation, lead qualification, customer onboarding.
0: Yeah. You know, in fact, in fact we've got someone using it in a call center. Yeah, we've got someone in the call center who's using it because, yeah, so how they use it, and just to show you that, it's a framework to think about a decision tree where you know are you a man or a woman okay woman different question do you have you know this problem you can, you can so you build pathways essentially and so they had a whole bunch of people they had to train for like about you know 30 days or whatever it was to jump on the calls and one day the guy said oh well i'm using the lead gen side. Why i want to just you know put one in my call center and see if you can speed it up so Essentially, the, the guy in the call center just clicks the button based on the answer that the person has given, and it gives them the next question. And so rather than having these people sitting in training for six to eight weeks, it brought the training down to like a week or whatever it was. It was a substantial savings. <laughs> and now what would happen is obviously you have certain pathways that are quite obscure. And unless you've been on in the call center a long time, you wouldn't have seen that question because it probably doesn't get asked very often. And so it's that those questions that they were able to accommodate quite quickly because they were like, you know, yeah, when someone moves into this pathway... Yeah, you know, LeadZook will just display the question that's uh, that you're supposed to ask, which we don't train you on. Or even if you did train them on, they would forget by the time they got the question because it happened, you know, three or four weeks later from when they learned. They're like, oh, crap, what am I supposed to say here again? And so yeah. this really helped them do that. So that's one example. I've had someone use it in a, on an iPad in a in a conference. They had a booth in a, you know in, in a conference or whatever. And was just walking people walking around those booths. He would just have his uh, iPad or iPhone. And when they come to the thing, they were like, oh, you know, hey, so, you know, they would qualify them right there and then, but because they had a dynamically generated lead magnet, they would immediately get emailed. So literally before the guy left the booth, he's like, just check your phone. And like, wow. And so just that experience ended up wowing them enough to when Monday morning, when they got the call again, let's jump on a call. They're like, oh, you're those guys who gave me this amazing, positive experience because you're able to stand out just through that obviously, you know, you know, there's hundreds of booths out there. How do you make yourself known or memorable? Probably is a better word. Is by wowing them right there and then when they're coming to your booth. It's those simple things. Like most of the time, you go, they have a quick conversation with you. They have a big, you know, bowl sitting there, fish bowl or something. So here you go, chuck your business card in here or scan your QR code on your badge that they give you at these conferences. And long gone, you email them on Monday. Like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Which one are you? Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> powerful Huge number of use cases. I mean, if you think even.
1: 10 years ago, you'd sort of see them pop up on Facebook fairly regularly in the Facebook feed. It was like, you know, which superhero are you? And, you know, what's your superpower? Which haircut, which hairstyle is most right for you? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And I love this from a marketing context because it actually starts to be really value led. We're not asking for a sale. We're giving value. To a customer, and I love the paid speed one. Not just as Google like it, but also encourages completion rate because people get frustrated with quizzes if they don't know how far they're through and right, and how many questions they're going to keep asking. But by engaging them in the quiz, by answering, by echoing their answers back to them, it actually allows yeah. them to you know to go further. So if you say, well, what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now, and they go lead gen, the next question can be. Nick, how long have you been struggling with lead gen before? Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. and, six and months is a long time, this. Nick. You know, can yeah, you tell me you can you give me an indication to, uh, of what you've tried before? I've tried this, this, yeah, this, can this. Can you, okay. Why do way you way think
0: do. X yeah. didn't
1: work? Why do you think Y didn't work? <laughs> right? And it's interesting you say, it, and it's interesting you say that, Nick, and I'll put your name back into it. Right? So it's actually, in many ways, coming I mean, what a really well qualified and well trained sales and marketing kind of rep that intersect between the two would ask someone if they were actually sitting face-to-face, right? So actually creating that diagnostic to then give back to someone in the same way that you go into the doctor and the doctor says, what's wrong? And you go, da da da, da. well, I think it could be this. Okay, so you're actually so, yeah, so, coming uh, and diagnosing back uh, uh, and say, well, now you want to extend
0: that idea a little bit further. We've got people right now, because I shared that in the group uh, a couple of weeks ago, they are building dynamically generated home pages. So you answer a bunch of questions. We send it to OpenAI. It comes back with a personalized page. You display the personalized page with a form underneath it. And so it's now a form that's asking for your input based on prior input, and it's personalized now to you. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of AI stuff that's coming in very soon. We're building an AI, AI-based page builder and a decision tree builder. So you're just going to tell us kind of like a few things what you were hoping to achieve. You're and we go through the a decision
1: tree for, for it to build it for you.
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's 100% builds it for you automatically, at least your first draft. And then so you're just editing bits and pieces rather than building. Okay, we'll put in question, mate, because if we pivot here to look
1: at systems that you use for acquisition, conversion, and retention, are you using hook yourself for your own business? Yes. Yes, I am. Let's drill into that in a bit, why?
0: How are you using Leads? All right. Okay. So most of the people who sign up to us actually come from recommendations. So the entire business is built on recommendations. We're starting our paid ads from next month is when we're starting our paid ads. And the reason why we took so long is because not so much, you know, I can't do marketing and just sign a whole bunch of people on. I have a responsibility to the existing users that we don't overgrow and as a result, degrade the performance of the platform. Because one of those things that I've learned is that there are problems of scale that don't show up until you scale. And yes, you can do forecasting and you can do mock, uh, you know, load bal- uh, load testing and all kinds of stuff. Human beings just work really different to any automated thing out there. And what I found is that sometimes the performance will degrade. So as we've scaled slowly rather than quickly, which is what yeah. everybody wants to do, we've learned where the bottlenecks are, but we've learned bottlenecks because we're growing relatively slowly. In the relative sense, I should say, we're still growing reasonably quick, but not like you know putting in 400x in one year or something. We're learning where the bottlenecks are from the infrastructure technology standpoint. So we're actually fixing those as we go. But now it's pretty robust. So I'm pretty confident now that if we sign on another couple, if we double the user base within one month, we'll be fine. We can handle the load. So th- that was the main reason why I wasn't running paid ads or any of those sort of measures because... What you don't want is a system that starts giving 500 errors and then you destroy the existing customer base because yeah. they're spending dollars. Yeah. So, yeah, always look after the existing customers is in my model not just chase new ones at the expense of your existing ones. Yeah, that's just a stupid strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good, a good thing, question to ask. It's like, what would happen? What would break, right, Yeah. if
1: 100 yeah. people said yes to me today? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whatever a number is for you, right? So if you're used to bringing on five clients a month what would happen if we were to suddenly double that all right if you're used to bringing on a thousand clients a month what would happen if you know how could we bring on ten thousand in the next month correct right? whatever the number is you know make it something ridiculous that you go i don't know how we'd possibly do that and answer that question and i think that's a really a good one to have
0: yeah, and that essentially is, is well, what we yeah, see so, so i told my dev i said what we what do we 10x our user base this year and can you tell me what would happen or do we have any idea what would happen? Can we do a load test to do that? And so we, we do do that, obviously. And then we identify where the bottlenecks are. And so anyways, the platform has been rewritten like almost three, four times over now. And because of the inefficiencies that we found along the way. But never letting the performance degrade at the front end as in what the customer is experiencing. I, I'd rather turn off. In fact, there was a point in time when I turned off my signup page. You can sign up to Leadsup for almost 18 months. And I said, we've got no business getting an existing customer on board until we fix the issues that we have. None. There was stopping any campaigns, but I know that if I just pile on more people, it will break. So let's go to the drawing board. Let's rearchitect how we're doing things and fix it mm-hmm. up. So yeah, because it's a duty of care. Because they're spending money on paid ads, yeah, it's it's a big weight on your shoulders, so to speak. I never thought I'd feel like that, but I do. So, uh, but anyway, that's that's that. Now, where are we using it? Yeah. So where we generally use it is, I'll share with you a campaign. Oh, so I also sell a lot of courses. So I use those in, on the course side of things. So in the email sequences that people get along the way, like, hey, listen, if you're struggling with tracking, uh, try this out. And so it actually profiles your current tracking and then gives you a metric on how much you could be saving if you fix your tracking. Yeah, I didn't quite prepare for that here, but if you want, I can uh, quickly bring it up on my screen here. Hopefully, let's see if I can bring that up. Anyway, you can keep talking while I bring that up in the, in the background. Yep. But that essentially what it it, check, it it actually prints a dynamic system. generated cells data to sell you the course based on yeah. the input you give it.
1: Yeah. I think that's an important thing, all right? You know, it's really getting very specific about answering our customers' questions, right? And if you think about marketing in general, let's put Leads Hook aside, right? If you're having a conversation with somebody that they're not with you on, you've lost them, right? And it's just yeah, it's just a relationship thing, right? It's not rocket science here. If your customer is talking about one thing and you want to go somewhere Sorry. else entirely... <laughs> You're not on the
0: same page. Yeah, so, so there are clients that are using it for cold prospecting. Usually, you get an email saying, "How would you like 10 more leads this month?" or whatever, you know. And yeah, those are great. But then every, you know, when, when you get when you see five thousand of those, you realize some guru taught that somewhere. Better off saying, "Hey, listen, we've got this new tool. It benchmarks you against your competitors. There's nothing to buy from me. Just click the link and profile yourself. You can draw a radar diagram or a score or something. You can say, well." Typically, people in your industry score 85 or above. You scored a 43. That is probably the reason why you may be having issues with whatever, ABC, a, whatever that is that you're struggling yeah. with. And now you've opened a gap in their mind, and here yeah. is a solution. or You've done the setup to essentially move into a conversation that they might want to have with you. You've got a reason for them to have a conversation with you now. And just by yeah, doing that is a far, uh, far slicker way of doing cold prospecting. But guess what? As soon yeah. as they land on your page where they're going to get themselves their profile, their report, their whatever, you just, you know, fire off a GTM container. And now you've pixeled that person across every platform known to mankind. And mm-hmm. you can set up your remarketing campaigns and all sorts of stuff on the on the back end or let that outreach process build an audience for you. And now you've got a good audience to piggyback off to run paid ads with. And that, that, that is... And these are people yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a cheap way to build an audience i mean a free way to build an audience i guess
1: yeah so anyway, yeah, yeah just as,
0: as a it's that example of, of what you can do yeah i, I really
1: like that and certainly something that i sort of got you know cottoned on to i guess very early on when i started using lead talk as well and we built out a, a marketing diagnostic that we shared through through linkedin primarily um yeah And I mean, I haven't touched that for a couple of years now, so it's probably well overdue for for an update and and certainly introducing some of the new tech that you've you've got and and uh, some of the AI tools that we can sort of bring into it. But essentially, it was the same sort of thing. It says we've got this marketing diagnostic tool. You can take a look at it and find out where your own gaps are. Right? You know where where do you have opportunities to improve? Whether or not that I'm the the one that's going to help you there. And certainly the feedback that I got from people who did use that quiz were like very much, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I never thought of that just because they're just not in the space, but by asking things like, do you have a consistent brand presence across all of your customer touch points, right? You know, does, does your Facebook page have the same brand colors as your your LinkedIn profile? Does everyone in your company use the same banner, you know, on their LinkedIn profile or not? Um. You know, those, so those, those little things, I think are sort of super important. But if you're not aware of them, we can use things like lead talk okay. as a tool there you go. to share it. Now, for yeah, this yeah, bit yeah. here, guys, you'll have to go and check out the, we've got it, we've got it, the YouTube channel as well. So make sure you subscribe to that while you're there. But, you know, what are your biggest lead gen wins hiding? Right, So yeah, little kind of start here quiz. You know, I love this. And again, it's got like uh, quality of lead, your score
0: in six elements, data segmentation, track analytics. You yeah, really cool so,
1: little tool.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, I've just shared an example just as a, as a, as a concept for, so people can visualize it. Um, so here you go where your biggest uh, lead gen is hiding in 20, there was a campaign we ran last year. And essentially that this entire thing is inside that's, that's built on leadzook itself. And you click this, it draws a radar diagram just like that one and tells where your weaknesses are. So can you imagine if you knew that for your client here, personalization is something they didn't do or tracking analytics sucked or whatever it was. Now you know exactly how to start the conversation with them, either on a phone call or uh, email or whatever it is uh, that tells them to the, in fact, you're going to have an entire automation that that only talks to people with weak personalization and all that. And so you can literally remove the salesperson uh, right at the close and have pretty much 100% of the stuff happen just from this one thing. But because the scores also tell you the kind of issues that the industry is facing, and you could probably turn that into a uh, a PR piece, Let's say you know you uh, know a news survey with with uh five thousand people has uncovered that really uh you know the quality of lead is the biggest problem in lead gen in twenty twenty four and you can probably have a couple of journals pick up on that so you can uh, so there's this there's always thinking of the multiple layers in which I can use my data, obviously most people only really think of it as you know how can I use the data in my business. As soon as you get hold of some data, there's always some way of slicing and dicing it in some other way. It could be uh, a report you build for your existing customer base. could be uh, a report you build for uh, the people who are on your email list, have never become your customers, to induce them because obviously it's your lowest hanging fruit there. And thirdly, take that out and maybe come up with a PR campaign, bring some backlinks in, uh, and or share that, uh, make a LinkedIn campaign out of it or something, you know, so so yeah so i'm I'm always thinking of of what's the second order, third order, fourth order move that we can do from this one thing that we want to do, so as a result any effort in, so any effort and energy put into that one thing you can you can kind of you know lever it four or five ways, um which is which is the whole point of of doing yeah is in like you know work once and extract value ten times over, right that's that's the the name of the game here yeah, absolutely. Um, we're gonna pivot. What we'll do is we'll put a link to that
1: uh the YouTube video in the show notes so you can actually see what Nick was just sharing yeah, If you're listening to us right now, um if you're watching on YouTube, obviously you will have seen it already. And we'll definitely put a link off to, to Leeds Hook uh for you to go and check out some of the really cool things they're doing over there. We're gonna to start to wrap up though, Nick. And I wanna know uh what's your biggest failure and what you learned from that
0: experience? Oh, good question. Um my biggest failure was Probably uh, grossly underestimating how hard it is to get a off the ground. <laughs> 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 I was forecasting in three months we'll be done up and running. It almost took uh, two two years. So uh, so that's probably from a marketing standpoint, probably the my, my biggest failure. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah that that was that, that was a big bomb. Um, yeah, it's a ten, there's it's one a that ten, I had back in the day ten, where we were launching a, a canned meat product and we had had about 15 wins in a row. And uh, and 15 wins gives you arrogance. Um, so you are like, oh, no, we got this. Um, so we put, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, a couple hundred it, K in. You
1: got it until you don't, right?
0: <laughs> uh, and it, it bombed terribly. And when I analyzed why, what, what had happened, um, uh, yeah, we had kind of, you know, we kind of deluded ourselves into thinking we had the Midas touch. Um, and so it's, it's yeah, um, that, that humble pie moment uh, really, uh, every time I try to shortcut something, I get reminded of that. So, so yeah, so I, I go back to the drawing board and say, you take a shortcut, my, you will pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Or your odds of success dramatically get reduced. Because you don't get the 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 little nuances that you do when you do, uh, you know, when you do do the work, so to speak. So, so yeah, so uh, the, the, how long it takes to get something off the ground is grossly underestimated by, uh, I guess, humanity. (laughs) Everyone thinks they're far better than what they are. Uh, or or things are going to be uh, far cheaper than what they actually are uh, or and far faster than what they actually are so so that is a lesson if you yeah if you don't have your buffers in place and in fact you know I, I was uh, at an AWS meeting for startups and it was astonishing that I was the only startup there that um that was bootstrapped and profitable uh, everybody in the audience was just how do i get my next round and i remember talking to one of the founders there and he said he said he said you know i i I wish I could have done what you've done, uh, purely because by my third round I've got hardly anything left. Because At some I've point just you've actually given... got to make money, right? Correct. Yeah. Now,
1: amazingly, At some amazingly, point you actually have to sell something.
0: There was very little discussion around, around how to raise um, um, how to acquire customers. There was a lot of stuff about how do I get my how do I get funding? It was yeah, a lot of lot of funding type questions like how do I get someone to pay for this rather than hey, can you just Make a hack a prototype and see if this there's actually a market here, and then come up with the next next version, the next version, the next version. And granted, at some yeah. point you do need funding. If you're gonna build a, an AI machine, then you know, you know you you do need cash to do that. Yeah. But but I, I was actually astonished, and I, I that people are funding ideas like, like like people out there writing a million dollar check for an idea, um, and taking thirty percent of the business or whatever it is. Which is gives you a valuation of three million, um, and I, I was just like, people actually do that. <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. I, 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 I mean, I'm a, <laughs> where do I meet them? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a startup who's got no experience in 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 raising external capital because uh, you know I just said let us go find a customer first and get them to fund the damn thing. You know, like yeah, that's how my brain works. Like uh, you know, well, hey, it's I, not I like hey, let me go. I, I agree with you. At some
1: point, your business. Has to sell a product to someone who you don't Correct. know. And that's the ultimate is' test of value. It's not how much your idea Correct. is worth. Yeah. You know,
0: it's it's yeah. like it exactly. can ultimately yeah. can I generate actual it's, profit uh, yeah. in the future. I remember a, a Gary Halbert seminar, and this guy was going on, on about in a question in a QA about it, blah blah blah. And he just goes, Just sell the damn thing, will you? <laughs> and it's so it's just it's so true. It's just it just kind of tucks, takes all the BS away. And, and really, if you can't sell this to someone you know, uh, then really you got no business, uh, being here. Now I get it. There are some, some products out there that, that aren't in existence until you invest in technology. So I, I get it. That's a, that's a good part of this space. Uh, but, but there has to be some, some way in which to sell this. So I, I remember this one guy, he made an app that calculates your carbon credits at, at checkout. Um, and you can uh, donate, uh, you know, money towards, uh, you know, offsetting the carbon that is you consume to you know produce a t-shirt or something and mm-hmm. and i said um and he'd received like a million dollars for it or whatever it was to build it and he was having a really hard time um getting shopify shop owners to 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 sign up to it and and i was there thinking i was like i was like where's the where, where's where's the money here like 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 what what is the like maybe there's a small group of people out there that really care uh, you know, that much about about carbon. Uh, I, I know from stats uh, that a lot of people will support it provided they don't have to pay for it. But, if, but the minute you have to pay for any social program, um, hey, no, 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 not me. Uh, let the other bloke pay. That's usually what happens, all right? And so um, so where's the value here? So I said to him, I said, why don't you just turn it around? Because all of these people are launching, you know, 50% off anyway. Any e-com store you go to, it's, you know, enter email to get, you know, your coupon this and a coupon that. I thought, why don't you tie in the coupon to 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 this, like get get thirty percent off and feel good about it? I said that's going to be a far better value proposition because you're tying it into some monetary outcome, and so uh, you know, yeah, I want to get a discount and save the planet, not pay for it to save the planet. And I said that's yeah. far less friction, and so anyway, so l- long story short, that that idea about about how do I rethink of my offer. It doesn't quite exist as, uh, and, and I think a lot of them could, could probably turn their businesses around and not give so much equity away if they spent more time in the offer creation side of things so that they can get more traction faster, which means not to say you don't want to raise money, but you'd be raising money on better terms. Um, yeah, absolutely. And essentially, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's always a good thing, right? You know, when we're doing that negotiation
1: with investors, we want to do that. What's uh, What's something about... Uh,
0: leads hook that you didn't expect? I didn't expect how non-technical people are. Um, I, I'm, I'm fairly technical. I didn't realise te- I was technical, but obviously I am. I've got a maths degree and all that, and I don't mind getting into the, you know, into the weeds, so to speak. Uh, I thought everybody was like me. <laughs> <laughs> until until we lost it. It's like it's like nobody's like me. Oh uh, not nobody, but a very a very small percentage of the population enjoys that uh that that kind of like you know getting into it, you know? Like I, I, I
1: oh, think I, 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 intersect between marketing technology and data analytics that
0: you know yeah correct. And so so, so so yeah, that, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a uh, like that, oh shit you know like yeah people don't really enjoy that part of it so I was like okay right well, point taken um, so yeah that, but my fault again once again arrogance right there like sh- I should have should have reached, researched it should have uh, spent more time and effort I, I, I think the reason why we didn't didn't go down that path because it was going to cost a lot more to build that fruity you know very user friendly interface so yeah. I figured I figured if I if I can get like like the nerdy types who are lots spending lots of money that's my wedge into the market. And And that exactly was what happened. We were able to get you know, a couple of thousand users of people who are fairly technical and spend big dollars. And generally, what you find is that that's the combination. like the people who are spending a lot of money tend to be quite technical because that's what's needed to be able to scale that much. or at least someone in their team is technical enough to to be able to help them scale to that level is probably the better way to put it. so that that was my that was my yeah. so now the next version of it, which is coming out very soon. It's much more, just ask it and it builds the thing for you and everything's WYSIWYG and all that sort of stuff. So it's 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 ready now for the mass market, but we're leveraging off our existing customer base. I think if I'd gone the other way, then I would have just, just been another Me Too product and it probably would have never worked. And that's what I learned from consumer branding is that you can't launch a Me Too product. Your your odds of success with a Me Too product. Is basically zero. You might as well have not bothered with someone else so, the roadmap, and you're going to fall into the potholes that they saw coming. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so while, while you know you know, good luck to for all the final hackers out there. But the point is, you you need some point of difference that is relevant to the market for you to you stand a chance. And 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 that's that's like to go from zero percent to like one percent, right? And then obviously a whole lot of extra work you got to do to get from one to ten percent. Um, but but otherwise you're zero. Like like mutual products. I mean, this dime doesn't. Uh, look at the number mm-hmm. of metro products get get launched on AppSumo six months later. Sorry, we're shutting down. Come on, yeah, right, exactly. Because you you can't just copy someone and have that uh, copy is not a strategy. Unless no,
1: nothing's going to last, last right. very long. You need to, to copy and innovate. Two quick questions yeah. to finish up, Nick. What gives you motivation to
0: keep going? Um, I'm much more driven by winning. Um, yeah, I want to have the best product on the market. Day. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah no, no. no. <laughs> I'm not driven by money so much as as driven by winning. Um, so, so uh, that's that's what probably drives me. Uh, the, the fact that we can see how our products are making a difference to people's lives. Um, you know, um, like I was calculating a couple of months ago, like, we're like, okay, so this guy just spent a million dollars in ad spend. And, you know, X million dollars worth of revenue is coming off that. So not just his revenue, but then the downstream customers that are buying his, you know, mortgage refire leads or whatever. And so, and consumers that are obviously getting into, into, into products and services that they, uh, all because some guy, you know, has spent a bit of money you know, inside leads Hook. And so that is probably the, the my main driver is we can see that the value being created. And uh, and and that's effectively is quite... Um, quite, quite refreshing. I, I, I kind of enjoy that, that to see that it's, yeah, it's, it's always, so I used to do this, like, you know, review, you know, funnel reviews and, and I'd run into good funnels all the time. And then, but these times <laughs> I t- tend to keep running into leads of users. So like, so I, I, I can't share much anymore because I was like, Oh, that's a great funnel. And I, and I go behind the scenes, like, Oh, shit. <laughs> <things will go." laughs> so I, I, can't, I can't give away, I can't give away our clients funnels. And that's one of the main reasons why we don't get testimonials. I've got, I've got really good friends who are using lead hook. And I tell them, Hey, can you, uh, do you mind making me a testimonial? Only, only, only if I cover my face, uh, and I, and, and I don't mention my market. It uh, literally is that. And it's because, yeah, I, there's no way I'm telling anybody this is what we're using. So, uh, anyway, long story short, that's the, that's the answer right there. Uh, lastly, mate, um,
1: who's someone you look up to in
0: your field? Oh, in my field, uh, (laughs) my yeah, (laughs) a team of course. Uh, Team was the number one place. Uh, Number two, I guess I'm. I'm much more. I look up to some of our users Mm. who do really, really crazy things with the product, Uh, and and just the appreciation of of the grit. And the tenacity and the perseverance to go build something. There are decision trees inside LeadZoo that look like um, the global aircraft map, where there's like like it's like literally like 500 nodes. Um, and if you think about it, someone dragged 500 nodes onto a page to build a user experience that is spending a million dollars a day in ad spend. That is is absolutely astonishing. Like I'm pretty crazy with what I create, and sometimes I look at what they do and and you're almost like like, like you you're 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 actually you you you're gosh. you're like and is this is this, is this a human that's doing this because it's it's mind boggling complexity it's so complex that when they send support tickets, we're like, oh we do rock paper scissors like who's going to handle this one because there's this stuff going all over the place and and you and and to try and break it down as to where so I, I would say I, 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 what 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 inspires me is 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 the craziness that some of our users do, and uh, and and yeah, it just makes me go like like I'm 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 not pushing as hard as I probably could. So you know, let's let's go. <laughs> that's that's probably yeah the most inspiring thing I see on a day to day basis is is is, is, the, is the crazy stuff that uh, that users actually end up doing. Um, yeah, I love that. I think the product, yeah, like, the, like a use case that is well beyond intended use cases <laughs> sort you of know, like, you know, use this product for this. And they kind of like, you know, it's, it's like a MacGyver thing. Like, you know, you, you thought your Swiss army knife was going to be used to, you know, cut a rope and someone is, uh, I don't know, someone makes an aircraft with it, you know, and you're like, Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> this is not, this is not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> or oh, we didn't think it was supposed to work this way. Yeah, We've got people that's, who, that's, who have made no code apps. That's inside such code. an
1: inspiring thing there. When you see what other people can do with, the tools that you created for them, right? Correct.
0: And, uh, yeah. You know, and, I have and it's, and to it's well you outside of go. what you thought. Like, I mean, I'm pretty wild with my imagination. Like, oh, you know, you could use for this, this, this. And you're like, whoa, hang on a second. Where did that come from? <laughs> that, that's a way, 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 way off base. Um, so yeah. that's that's really, really inspiring. It, it makes me want to keep pushing. Um, and so I often get in touch with them saying, hey, listen, you know, you've got this craziness going on here. What difficulties did you face? You know, how could we have made this process simpler, faster, and easier for you? And then we kind of go back, and take that, if that feedback yeah, back I in the product that, development. I'm sure I
1: imagine a 500 node, you know, Chris, uh, the funnel there. I think my
0: biggest yeah. ones maybe got 70 in it. <laughs> Even that was like, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Like it's 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 when someone's running into someone and they, they think they're they're like a big dog, and uh, they're like, oh, oh we spend a million dollars a month. It's like, oh, what does your biggest user do? I said, oh, we got a guy who does million dollars a day. He's like, oh, what, really? And like, yeah, <laughs> like, like 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 like, you know. Don't ever think you're big because there's always a bit, there's, there's, there's always another one around big. the corner. There's <laughs> always someone. Yeah, exactly. Just play your game, make sure your ROI is there and and stay yeah, just focus on your thing don't 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 let it get to your head that you're spending so much because at some point there's always going to be someone who eats who eats you up or or there's always a bigger bigger guy around the corner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nick, I love that. I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast today and sharing so much of your experience and uh some of the use cases for lead hook. And using quiz funnels in your business if you haven't got one uh well think about what you could do with it right you know can you qualify clients because you as you said what are the other things that you can do that you can collect data from and provide value to your customers at the the same time as you are asking them questions which let's be real you probably should be asking them anyway yeah what we'll do guys uh again nick thanks for jumping on um, we'll no do. We'll much. see all the details in the show notes, including a link over to Lead Talk. You can go and check that out. There's got some awesome case studies on the website as well. Um, and looking forward to the new version, which is going to be much more user friendly.
0: That it will be. All right. And,
1: and thanks, and guys. Continue. Thank you. And, thanks, uh, and some of the AI stuff that you're introducing into it, mate. So thanks for coming on
0: today. All no right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye.
1: Hi, guys, and uh, thanks again for joining us on More Clients, Less Effort. We've got another exciting episode coming up next week uh, to give you a ton of value. Um, If you hit the three dots at the top of your phone, like, subscribe, follow, share it with someone who you think might get value from the conversations we're having each and every week on the show. We look forward to catching you real soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.